The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaben, joined by Sia Najad. Sia, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm still riding the Sam Burns high. Uh, what a great sweat that was. What a great tournament that was, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm so happy to be talking about the Memorial, though. I, I've I've got a lot of interesting plays here that I want to get y'all's opinion on. Well, we will certainly do that. Greg Ducharme is here. And Greg, might I say, you're looking very dapper. That's a very nice color of shirt on you. Oh, why, thank you, Rick. Uh, yes, this is um, my red from Memorial Day. I hope everybody's having a great Memorial Day. And uh, I'm very excited for the Memorial, as Sia said. And Sia, by the way, what a call last week. It's just fantastic. I've really enjoyed all the uh, Twitter activity about it. Yeah, the Twitter activity was probably the best part, if I'm being honest. But the Absolutely. sweat, the, listen, the sweat coming down the stretch, you know, when when he got in the house at nine under, I'm like, yeah, this can probably happen. But five guys have to crash and burn as opposed to only four. And as it was starting to unfold, none of those guys ha having really started the 12th hole yet. And that 12th through 15th was was going to be a problem for everybody. I was like, yeah, there's an outside shot here. And then as it got closer, I realized that the odds for Burns started getting better and better until he was the favorite when Scotty was on the 17th. And I was like, oh, man, this this could definitely happen. But, yeah, it ended up happening. I got a little lucky, I guess, but it was pretty cool. Luck was not part of it. Don't worry about that at all. That is all skill, my friends. Congratulations. The fans, you out there listening, you out there watching, hopefully on YouTube, uh, we need your picks before – what are we going? 10 a.m. Eastern time, Tuesday morning. We're going early again. So that's good because the content will be out earlier. It'll be able to live a bit longer. But we need your one and done selection. So the link is in the description right now. You can go and get your vote in and you can continue to make progress up our board. Greg, it wasn't a great one and done for really anybody last week. I think Jacob, I think Jacob was the big winner with like a quarter million bucks, but we've got to, we got to bounce back. We got to make a move here. Yeah, we do. The, the, uh, the only positive to take away is that our leader didn't get anything. Um, but unfortunately nobody took advantage of it. So yeah, all in all, not a great week. Jacob's been playing great though. What well, I mean, and a really solid play from him. So got to give him credit. Yeah. Jacob's been, Jacob's been good. Although he might run out of holes to Mark. He might just, uh, run out of time here. We'll see. Gentlemen, this week is indeed the memorial presented by what are they going with now? Workday? Workday. Yep. And yeah, uh, you know, that maybe that comes into play. Well, with one of our <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's uh it it's happened twice so far. We're only one away from a trend. Yeah, he's two for two, right? He won the WGC workday and he won uh I think it was just called the workday championship it was the week before 
this event in 2020. They went back to back weeks at Mirfield Village, right? Workday Charity Classic. That's the one. Yeah, I think that's what it was called. Um, yeah, right. And right here, right here at uh, at Memorial, so or at Mirfield Village. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. I don't know if uh, if this is Colin's year. I don't know, but he he certainly has the ability to go three for three. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this week, and I'll share my screen here. This is my website, RickRunGood.com. It's uh, all the visuals that you'll see on YouTube. And uh, see a Mirfield Village. It's Jack's place, and because it's Jack, and because it's an invitational, and because this is one of the best courses that we have on the schedule, uh, you get a really, really good field. And that's exactly what we have this week. Strength of field. I think last year was like six hundred two. Probably thinking about something similar this time around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, as soon as you see the DFS slate, you, you get it gets your attention really quick, especially when you look at the 8K range and you see all the talent in there. You're like, oh, OK, this is a very, very loaded field. And it's going to take a good golfer to really conquer this this tournament because it's going to test your all around game. We've talked about that a little bit. We did at the PGA Championship and, of course, at the Masters and and some of these other courses that there, there are no layups here. You know, this is this is going to be a tough test from. And driving accuracy standpoint, from an approach game standpoint, especially with the longer irons, and then the around the green game is going to be huge here. So, again, this is one of those where I'm I'm already of the mindset where, from a DFS standpoint, I really want to be careful with the lower end guys because I've noticed over the last well, really this whole season, but especially over the last few weeks, a lot of six for six lineups have gotten through, and because of the difficulty of the course, completely crashed and burned. Like two of the guys that or 7K or 6K that made it through are just shooting terrible numbers on Saturday and Sunday. So I think you should really be cognizant of that when you're crafting your lineup. How many cheapies do you want in there? Are they going to survive Saturday and Sunday, even if they do, in fact, survive Saturday and Sunday? Before I forget, min-priced Adam Shank last week uh, rallied on Friday. I think he was three under on Friday, but missed the cut by a shot. That was That was devastating to me. Yeah. But you know, what's funny, we talked about him because we thought it was a slight misprice, but we also talked about Smotherman. He's a really good example of a guy who kind of crashed and burned on Saturday and especially Sunday. These listen, Smoth, I liked Smotherman. I thought he was a great course fit with the approach in the putting game, but I, I do think you need to contextualize that with this week as well. There are those low end guys that you might think are great and they might make the cut for you, but how are they doing on Saturday and Sunday? I think it's super important to envision that as well. Yeah, certainly. And uh, Greg, I love what Jack has done with Mirfield Village, where you simultaneously off the tee, you have generous fairways. They're, they're, they're fairly wide, but if you miss them, you will be punished. And then you're going to have to hit a great second shot if you miss the green. Also punished. Just these kind of diabolical spots you can get yourself in around the greens. And then, of course, uh, we know after the 2020 version of this event, uh, they basically redid every single green, either completely redone or recontoured. That was the infamous ripping up the greens right behind the final group on Sunday. They got started immediately on that renovation. Yes. Uh, and so some of the changes that they've made in this, I mean, a couple holes have been lengthened um, in the latest restoration. Some greens have been softened to add hole locations, which uh, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. This is a course where short game has been very important. As you can see right there on your model, uh, yeah. there's a there's a four next to the around the green play. Uh, and, and it's been quite important. But with some of the softer greens, uh, some new greens, some greens have been moved. 
have has it um you know has the short game been softened at all um you know 14 of the greens were changed to some degree whether they were moved uh, completely redone or uh, or they you know softened a portion like they changed the back left of the 18th green so there's some pretty significant changes fairways have been moved to bring um the oh bless excuse you, me bro. i excuse me i couldn't hold that in i've sneezed wow uh, yeah, I, I apologize. I'm always so worried. Excuse me. I'm always scared about that. I don't think I've ever done that before. I sneeze. Uh, it's I, good luck. Too. Yeah, I, I guess I should have passed the ball a little quicker. And when I um, sneeze, it's like six in a row. So like we would not have continued anytime. <laughs> yeah, we may have more coming, but Rick, um, we can take over for you. If you sneeze once, we'll know there's more coming. And there may be for me. I just keep your eye on it if you're watching on YouTube. But um so yeah, they they made some they made some changes here. Some of the driving areas were pinched in. So driving accuracy, I really do think is important. Now, the the takeaway that I have is that tee to green is kind of your um, your bread and butter here. That that's really the area that you should lean on because although around the green play is really important, um, I think the penalties for missing in your uh, in your ball striking are are more severe here than other golf courses. So I, I really like the all-encompassing tee to green play and watching out for how guys are getting it done. I don't want to weigh too much into around the green play because it's difficult tee to green. I I I love the way you said that, and I want to reiterate it, Greg. The penalty for missing off the tee or on an approach is more what penal here? Is that mm -hmm. I I think that's the best way. Yeah, penal severe. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Awesome stuff. Uh, okay, I can't wait. Let's like jump into the cheat sheet. We'll go tier by tier here, but first we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And we're back. 
the $10,000 range actually extends into the $11,000 range with John Rahm at 11,100, Roy McElroy 109, Patrick Cantlay 107, Colin Morikawa at 104, and we round it out with Xander Shoffley at $10,200. See Najad, great field, great guys at the top. Let's start splitting some hairs. Yeah, and that's what we're always doing in the elite range. I do want to just offer the disclaimer that I usually offer, which is feel free to start in the 9K range. Um, I even have a lineup that started in the 8K range because I believe in so many of the players there, and I think that'll just be an interesting lineup construction. With that said, I guess there's a couple of guys that stick out to me. Um, John Rahm, obviously. I mean, he's won this tournament back-to-back years. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge to Patrick Cantlay. But obviously, you know, John Rahm won last year, and he had to withdraw in round four. Um the thing in we I'm glad you pulled this up. If you're not watching on YouTube, you should because on rickrungood.com we did notice that the approach play as of late for John Rahm has been a little shaky. I'm not super worried about it, but I I do think it's it's noteworthy because we don't usually see those swings and misses. Although the players probably he was in the wrong wave there, but still it hasn't been the elite approach play approach play or around the green uh, game that we've normally seen with John Rahm. I think he'll probably be pretty popular, so I may not play him if that's the case, but he's certainly my favorite on the board here. John Rom Greg, has indeed lost strokes on approach in three of five. One of those, the Masters, he was a, a small positive. The around the green struggles go back to the start of 2022. That's been a common thread for John Rom, and they do continue. How much of that is a concern? Because when you've got the highest price tag and a lot of expectations you want to feel comfortable putting that guy on your in your lineup uh absolutely and it is a it's a real concern for me um and i'm because he's the highest price player and we expect ownership to be high i'm very comfortable fading john rom this week um and the reason is if you watch the pga championship you, you can look at the numbers if he lost two and a half strokes around the green um, but at the same time, he hit some really uh, sloppy short game shots. I wonder how much work he's put in. I'm sure it's some, but it, it's been a very different formulation than what we've seen coming in. I mean, if you look back in 2021, entering this event, he was um, he was 69th around the green. Um, and, and then you look at what he's done T to green. Um, or I'm sorry, still around the green. In 2020, he was 56th around the green, 34th in scrambling. It was a much better short game than it is now coming in. So that's of concern for me without question. And because he's the highest price player, because that ownership is expected to be high, and because there's so many great options behind him, I'm I'm comfortable fading John Rom. I know it's risky, and I, I'm not going to fault you if you play him, but I, I, I'm certainly comfortable fading him. Uh, one fun little nugget on John Rom. He gained more strokes last year, 21 of them in three rounds, uh, than he did the year that he won it in 2020 when he gained 17. That's how dominant he was yeah. last year. Yeah. And business. look, I, I don't know if that plays into it, but you're coming back to a place with bittersweet memories. Uh, and I, I wonder how, what that's going to do to John Rom emotionally. I, I, I try not to put that into play too much in my DFS lineups, but, um, you know, if he's been a little more frustrated this year than in years past. And I, I wonder if, especially last year, I mean, last year, his attitude was so good. You could write a book about it. I mean, he handled all these situations with such grace and class and, and it showed in his play. Uh, but this year it, he seems to be much more frustrated. 
And I wonder if he's going to, you know, over rev the engine a little bit here this week. Okay, Greg, I'm going to bounce this right back to you here because uh, I asked you specifically about Rom, but I don't want to put those constraints on you here. The 10K range is wide open. Where would you like to go? Uh, I love what I'm seeing out of Rory McIlroy yeah. right below him. I'm, I just, I, I love it. I mean, it's been, he's only lost strokes off the tee once this year. That was at the Valero Texas Open. I think his mind was elsewhere being the week before the Masters. But what I really like is what he's done around the green. Um, and and the PGA and the Wells Fargo, he lost uh, less than a stroke around the green. Um, but before that, it was really quite good. He gained in every single event all the way back to the Northern Trust of last year. So it, it's been really good around the green. And I think that's kind of the change. That's the difference that brings Rory back to 2014 Rory. Um, and, and he's had some pretty good results here as well. But the biggest struggle for him at Memorial has been the around the green play. And I just, I think it's improved dramatically this year. So I'm, I'm big on Rory in that regard. So, so here you go. I'm showing you the results for Rory back to 2010 at the Memorial and, and Greg's absolutely right where he tends to lose frequently. And a lot of strokes is around the green. Now, if you look at what he's doing this year, right here, currently in the midst of his best around the green season of his career that starts to add up things you love to see okay we've got rory we've got rom sia who else out of this ten thousand dollar range would we feel comfortable with there's two guys that i think are really interesting that that i want to get um a couple of opinions on here one is and i ranted about this guy for like two full minutes on the thursday recap show so it's funny that i'm even bringing him up but colin morikawa who obviously we know his his ball striking acumen. We know that the putter hasn't been good, and that I mentioned about a week ago how he sort of he put a line on his ball and he sort of changed things up after the Zurich because he uh, he and Hovland talked about it and he just decided he wanted to do that. The thing is, as much as I'm scared off with the putter, not only did he gain last year here with the renovations in mind, twelve t to green, twelve strokes t to green, but he also gained five with the putter. So I. I it speaks to the fact that maybe he's coming back to a place where he actually has some confidence with the putting and th whether he, he goes back to his old way or he still has a line on the ball. I think there's an argument to be made that if you pair the ball striking with him just being more confident coming here with the putter, I do think he's interesting. The other guy that I want to bring up, he's a metrics monster, Xander Schauffele. I mean, if you look at his recent history, if you look at his course history, and if you look at his metrics, there's no reason not to play him. For me, it's it, the only reason not to play him is every time I play him, he lets me down. But again, I get him wrong. Some people get him right. Xander Schauffele looks like a guy from a pure metric standpoint. Uh, he looks really, really good. Gained across the board at the PGA Championship. Gained across the board at the AT&T Byron Nelson. That is something that Xander does uh, do fairly often. But Greg, I've we've done it. We've named four of the five names in the $10,000 range. And we haven't talked about the guy who's won this two out of the last three years, Patrick Cantlay, 10,700. I'm, I'm under the impression this is not a major championship. So maybe we should just fire up Patty ice. Yeah, he's, he is definitely in play. Um, there, there are some concerns, right? His, his short game is putting has kind of fallen off a little bit and it's been better in the past. Um, if you look at what he did last year, you know, he was really good around the green. And and in 2020, uh, 2019, sorry, he was first in scrambling coming in. His short game was excellent at that time. And and he's lost mildly in his last three starts. Uh, the putting has not been what it was earlier in the year. That's a concern. 
but I, I think something happens when Patrick Cantlay comes to Memorial and it's, he is absolutely an option to play. And I, I put the, I'd put the PGA championship in a separate bucket. Like you said, it, there's it, his biggest problem in his game is handling major championships. And the, like you said, it, this is not one. So um, I, I'd love to know what his ownership's going to be. If there's an edge, you can get there. Um, but both he and Xander, I think are great plays. What do you think his ownership is? See, how does it compare to the rest of this ten thousand dollar range? Because a lot of good names here, a lot of good names. This is going to be such an interesting case study because, yeah, he won two out of three. I mean, you know, obviously, even if he didn't, even if you given Rom the the win last year, it would have been a second place most likely. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give him some credit there. I think he could be either the second or the either the lowest or the second lowest owned guy in this range. I think a lot of people are going to go to Colin. Uh, they just they just want to play Colin here. A lot of people are going to go to Rom and McElroy for for good reason. And then it's going to be Xander and Cantley. And then if you if you just match up Xander and Cantley in terms of just looking at their metrics and and by the way looking at their course history, it's not like Xander's is bad relative to Cantley's. It's just not nearly as good. Um I I think I think Cantley might be the lowest owned. I do. Wow. I could I be wrong. No, I think it's possible because he is uh, like that sandwich pricing where you can just go up and spend more for Ram and Rory, or you save the dollars on Morikawa or Xander, or you start in the 9K range. It's kind of an awkward pricing situation for him. I think it'll be like 14, 15% of That's mm. what I will say, but he's a, he's a great play. I mean, even regardless of that, he really is a, a solid play. I know he's in high competition and high demand, but um, I, I, I wouldn't look. I wouldn't look past him. I'll take the under. If we set it at fourteen and a half percent, I'll take the under. I'm pretty comfortable with that. Okay, I'm gonna write it down so we can remember. Fourteen and a half. See on the under. I'll take the over on Patrick Cantlay's. I'm just gonna put in thirty thousand lineups. <laughs> Patrick Cantlay to boost the number. Right? Like, imagine if you're like, yeah, like book it for like a hundred grand. I'd be like, okay, okay, and I would enter <laughs> a million lineups. Patrick Cantlay, watch the numbers. The nine thousand dollar rich, small little range. Lots to talk about. Cam Smith, Jordan Spieth, Will Zalatoris, Victor Hovland, Hideki Matsuyama. Matt Fitzpatrick and Shane Lowry. That is it. These 9K ranges, see, uh, you mentioned potentially starting here. I feel like they're getting smaller and mm -hmm. I feel like they're always the most interesting because the 10K range, there's very few question marks. The 9K range is like the next tier where eh, you start to get a little bit concerned, but they're all great players. That's right. And, and what's interesting about that is it's pretty arbitrary that they're making the 9K range as small as it is. I mean, obviously, if they wanted to, they could have put two or three more guys in there. And then you have all of a sudden you have Sung JM at, at, at let's say, 9,000 or 9,100 because everybody gets pushed up a little bit, right? And then you have Cameron Young maybe at a flat 9,000 with Max Homa, that kind of thing. So I, I want everybody to realize that, that there is some you – know, it is a little bit arbitrary that you have like these top-end 8K guys, that they're in the 8K range as it is they could easily be in the 9k range and then you'd all of a sudden be so much more comfortable playing them because you're grabbing a low-end guy in the 9k range so again the margins are so small in terms of DraftKings deciding to put somebody at, like at 9100 versus 8800 so keep that in mind i think these kind of ranges sort of swim together a little bit and with that said you know who i think is really interesting towards the top i think a lot of people are going to play Cameron Smith regardless of his bad track re track record here. Yeah. But Jordan Spieth, I, I wonder if Jordan Spieth is going to get a lot of ownership. 
Um, I, I, for some reason, I, I think people don't think he's a good course fit here. I, I'm not sure they're going to believe that he's going to keep it in the fairway uh, off the tee. I think he's a really interesting play if the, the ownership is down, because if he keeps it in the fairway, he's got all parts of his game operating. The approach game, the around the green game, the, the putter obviously can be an issue, but that might be minimized a bit here. Uh, so I think Jordan Spieth is a really interesting play. The other guy I really like is probably Shane Lowry, who's probably a bit underpriced. He's been keeping in the fairway, and he's been gaining across all metrics. Those are my two favorite in this range. Yeah, Shane Lowry's been insane. We could talk about that in in just a second. But um, Greg, the Jordan the Jordan Spieth conversation is is kind of interesting because he he doesn't. He, there are so many of these courses that are staple courses on the PGA Tour that Jordan Spieth has an unbelievable record at. This is not one of them, but he's been very good. He's got uh, let's see four top twenties in his last five starts. He has six top twenties in his nine career starts. It's not bad. It's actually quite good, but it's not like you see at Pebble beach or Augusta national or Colonia or all these other places in which Jordan Spieth is just a madman. I I couldn't agree with you more. And he really likes the golf course. Uh, he's talked about it before being one of his favorites out here. So I think Jordan is a phenomenal play this week. Um, now, the other thing that I find really interesting is in his whole career here, dating back to 2013, he's only lost strokes putting twice. So he, he's had some good success on the greens here. And it, it might be one of those venues where there's enough undulation and enough speed in the greens mm -hmm. to really capture his attention. And it could be a it could be a great spot for him. So I'm, Jordan's my favorite play in this range. I wouldn't I wouldn't go to Cam Smith. Uh, personally, I would definitely go to Jordan. Um, I, I think I'm a little Will Zalatoris and Victor Hovland. Um, they have potential for sure, but their short game might worry me a little bit enough to stay away, especially when you have Jordan and then you have Hideki Fitzpatrick and Lowry. All three of those guys, I think are very playable. They yeah. have good record. They're, they're very, I really like all three of those guys. Lowry over the last 50 rounds is uh, the best 1.9 strokes gained. That's the best of anyone nine in the $9,000 range or below it's it's he's been, he's been that good, which Sia pointed out as well. He's gaining in distance. He's gaining in fairways hit. He's playing well coming in. He finished sixth here last year. There's just, there's just a lot to like Greg. You said uh, not on cam Smith. Is it, is it strictly because of this record, which is not good. It's four missed cuts, a 65th and a 68th. Well, I think there's also a reason for that record, right? And, and it, Cam Smith's struggle t seems to be uh, accuracy. He can get a little Aaron off the tee. He can hit some wild ones. And uh, we said at the top of the show, the wild ones are punished here. So it, it's not just the fact that he has a bad record. There are some cases where you can look past that. But I, I think there's a clear enough reason where um, where this could be worth staying away. 135th in driving accuracy. Uh, this year for Camp Smith. Yeah. So you spray it, you find yourself in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I'm fairly partial to Hideki here. We've talked about that quite a bit. I think maybe the question is uh, around Will Zalatorisia. So mm -hmm, he is yeah. kind of just in the middle of the pricing, which again, some people will opt to just pay more for Jordan Spieth or they'll opt to go down to Hideki or Fitzpatrick. Mm -hmm. Two missed cuts in his last three starts. Now, the, the sandwich result in there was a runner-up finish at the PGA Championship. And he's been lights out besides that. What version of Will Zalatoris do we get this time around? 
Well, and yeah, by the way, really lights out in really talented fields. You, you got the second at the PGA, you got the 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 sixth at the Masters, uh, fifth at the WGC. So I, I think this is where Will Zalatoris typically rises. I think the fact that he's missed two cuts out of three probably keeps ownership down. And to your point, people likely pivot up to Smith or Spieth or down to maybe Hideki, um, certainly Lowry. Uh, and Zalatoris not really having much by way of experience here. I mean, it looks like he played in 2018, but that's about it. So I think he's he's probably going to get sort of marginalized here. And therefore, I think he's a pretty great play. I mean, I, I think if you started your lineup with Jordan Spieth and Will Zalatoris, you'd probably be pretty different from the field. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, I want to talk about the 8K range, the 7s and the 6s. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. See, I'm going to start here with you on the $8,000 range because you said something earlier in the show that you've actually created a lineup or two that start mm. in the $8,000 range. And I have a little bit of a stat for you here. So I was just tracking this. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to send this out in my newsletter this week. But in the 2020 golf season, guys who are priced in the $9,000 range have missed the cut 26.8% of the time. Guys that are priced in the $8,000 range have missed the cut 25.8% of the time. So that means golfers in the 8Ks have actually made the cut more frequently than golfers in the $9,000 range. Now, see, that could be a lot of things. It could be the depth of the tour. It could be fairly random. But, I mean, this season's been going on for uh, – eight months. We've got a pretty decent sample size going on. I, I wonder if that's just the depth of the tour, inherently bad mispricing. Like, what do you think that could be? It's probably a little bit of both. Uh, and just the, we, I mentioned it earlier, the sort of the arbitrariness of, of the pricing. Uh, I could, I could make a very good argument that Max Homa, Cameron Young and Sung JM belong in the $9,000 range. It's just, you have to like, you have to carve out 
pricing for each of these guys. And so everybody kind of falls in line, but that doesn't mean the pricing is accurate. But yeah, you're right. In terms of the depth of the field, we're really seeing that. Like guys like Davis Riley, guys like Cameron Young, Mito Pereira, they're all really good. And they're typically not in that 9K range because where are you going to put the elite guys or the alleged elite guys? You, you have to put them up there. That's going to push these newcomers down. And here they are dominating tournaments. Like for the last, what, I don't know, three to six weeks, all we talk about is Cameron Young and Mito Pereira and Davis Riley and all these guys that are contending with the Scotty Shufflers of the world. And they're all 8K almost all the time. Okay, well, uh, the $8,000 range starts with Sung J.M. and Cam Young. Max Homa, Davis Riley near the top. The middle is Daniel Berger and Corey Connors. Then we round it out with Joaquin Neiman, Abraham Anser, Keegan Bradley, and Mito Pereira. Oh, oh, excuse me, and Seamus Power, both down there at 8000 bucks flat. Greg, whew, there's a lot going on here. We've got some ugly missed cuts. We've got some guys working through injuries. We've got guys who are trending upwards guys that are trending downwards what in the world do we do in the eights man it, the um the challenge that i have in this is what do we do with the uh the guys that are just really hot young players right now right where you, you don't have any course history that's davis riley and cameron young uh, i'm really struggling with them i think they're great i think the the course should really match up with them what what cam young has done of late has been nothing short of incredible what Davis Riley has done of late has been really spectacular. His, his iron game has been on fire lately. So these two are really attractive and I'm not sure. I'm not sure going to a new golf course, how, how much to really like them. Um, I, I probably would lean a little bit to Cam Young over Davis Riley. I'm not sure if that's fair, but then there are some other guys in a different bucket. Like Sung JM has been really trended in the right direction. And I, I know that he ha doesn't have a great record here, but it could be a, a strong golf course for him. I mean, he's gained strokes around the green in five in a row, uh, approach the green and three in a row, off the tee and three in a row. It's showing up in the finishes. I think he's a, a really, really interesting play. Um, and then the other guy would be Max Homa, who really stands out. And so, uh, again, I mean, Sung J.M. and Max Homa jump off. I feel very confident in both of them. What Max Homa's done with his ball striking has been uh, really quite impressive. And I think that's going to play a large role here. He also, he gained strokes around the green last week. He's gained strokes putting in his last three. He could be a, and, and he has a nice record here. He played really well here last year. So I, I, I like Homa. I like him, but then these, these young stars kind of give me a little um, question mark. Yeah, the Sung JM train for me rolls on. I think he picked up right where he left off uh, at the Zurich Classic after a month off. And uh, he's been much better on bent grass as of late. Seems to be start starting to figure out that surface. Okay, Sia, we've got a lot of questions and not a lot of answers in the $8,000 range. How can we start to figure this one out? Well, first of all, I do like Sung J.M. and Max Homa as well, so I won't go into that. But I do want to point out, if you know, because of the poor track record for Sung Jae, if he does pick up steam as a result of being really good the last couple of weeks, and Rick, congrats to you because you were on that last week. And honestly, if he just had an average putter, he easily top sevens this thing. I mean, maybe better. I'm not sure. But he's been a tee to green. Every guy I roster, if they just had an average putter, that's the, that's the story of my, uh, of my DFS career. Or or below average putter. I mean, he lost almost three. You lose one stroke instead of three, and it's a slightly different story from a DFS standpoint. So I do like Sung JM. I think he's going to be great tee to green, which I know we talked about as as a, a pretty solid kind of overall metric for this course. 
If his ownership is even slightly high, though, because of the course history, I'll go ahead and pivot off. I'm only playing Sung Jay if, he, if he's going to be relatively lower owned uh, because I like so many other 8K guys, including Cameron Young, by the way, who last 24 rounds, he's first tee to green. He's first in par four, 450 to 500 yards, which is going to take up a lot of the par fours uh, on this course. They're, they tend to be longer. So he rates out really well on those longer par fours. T to green, he's, a, he's an absolute monster. Okay, two other guys I want to bring up. One is that other ki new kid on the block. I'm not going to bring up Davis Riley. He's he's on my list, but he's not high on my list. Mito Pereira has been spectacular with the ball striking, um, above average around the green, and, and can spike with the putter, as we know. But the kind of controversial guy I want to bring up is Daniel Berger. I intend to play Daniel Berger this week at 8,500. I think we're getting some value. I think people are kind of down on him. I mean, he barely made the cut. He made the cut on the number and he didn't do much Saturday and Sunday, but the truth is he kept it in the fairway and the approach game was pretty great. It was just the, the putting that happened to be a pretty big problem for him. And on this course, I think maybe he can turn that around. And by the way, we're looking at it right now on Rick Run Good. He lost two strokes putting at the Charles Schwab Challenge, which, by the way, believe it or not, was better, way better than what he lost at the PGA Championship. However, if you break that down by round, he gained in two of those four rounds putting. He, he had two basically bad days of putting and two good days of putting. And so I think if you just kind of look at that and you know at least he can gain with the putter uh, in consecutive rounds potentially – with the ball striking and with the course fit in terms of him keeping it in the fairway, I think Berger is a really smart play, especially if the ownership isn't too high. Yeah, rounds one and three, he gained uh, over two strokes putting combined and then gave back three on Friday and another one and a quarter on Sunday is the way that breaks down. Okay, Greg, well, if we think this is going to be kind of a tee to green thing and we need somebody who's at least okay around the greens and someone who's actually putting much better as of late Corey connors is someone that i imagine for the first time in a long time is not going to be very popular he had a, an incredibly ugly uh missed cut at the pga championship in which he lost four strokes on approach in two rounds which is one of the worst approach performances of his career. How willing are you to quickly forgive Corey Connors? Very, very willing. <laughs> now, he has had some struggles here approaching the green as well at the Memorial. Um, in two of his three starts here, he's lost strokes approaching the green, sometimes significantly, but he's made all three cuts. And what I also like is he's gained strokes putting in all three starts here, which I, I find to be quite interesting um reminds me of a sony open so i'm i'm very willing to forgive the problem the problem is can i get off of him and homa or can i get away from a cam young and and go to Corey connors i do think there's a possibility to do it but it um you know he, he's probably on my list he's probably fourth he's probably fourth in my 8k range but very well very willing to play I'm glad you mentioned Wiley because I could not remember the place. I knew there was a place that Corey Connors had like never lost strokes putting at. Yeah. And I couldn't remember where it was and it was Wiley, right? That's the spot. Yeah. Sony. Um, he's he's going to be Kyle's uh, auto play in the Sony Open going forward. <laughs> uh, okay. Gents, the $7,000 range. Lots of them. Billy Horschel, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, Matt Kuchar at the top. The bottom. 
Russell Knox, Stuart Sink, Lucas Herbert, Denny McCarthy. Some notables in between. See ya. Here we go. Massive list of names. Let's figure out who we like. You, you, can I tell you why golf is weird? <laughs> Please. Patrick Reed. I, I'm about to discuss Patrick Reed as a value at 7,900. And I just, I just never, and I'm not even sure I'm right about this. I'm very uncomfortable recommending him, but I do think it's a value given his recent history, his very recent history, and his course history here. I mean, first of all, before the renovation, he was good here. But oh yeah, by the way, after the renovation, which of course was 2021, he was fifth here. So that was back when Patrick Reed like still wasn't very good. If, if I recall last year at this time, I mean, he hasn't been good for about certainly well over a year, um, as far as I can recall. So that. The, the metrics from last week and the last couple of weeks have spoken to me a little bit. I, I do think he's in pretty good form. Obviously, it's a really small sample size. But given if you if you match the small sample size with the course history, I'm pretty comfortable playing Patrick Reed at 7,900. I must confess this, uh, and this is mostly Greg's fault because I've talked to Greg now like three times in the last four days, and I've been saying, "Well, Patrick Reed is washed. Actually, maybe he's not washed. Actually, maybe I'm turning the corner. Actually, I'm in. I." Uh, this morning I made two bets for the U S open. It was Daniel Berger and Patrick Reed. And wow. I, I want to just kind of buy low. I agree with Sia Greg. I think we're seeing enough that, uh, if we believe around the green is going to be critical. If we look at, uh, the history around Mirfield village, which is going back chronologically a fifth, a 10th, 29th his worst finish was a 57th then he had a t8 in 2016 and a t26 in 2015 i i see it i see it so he he's gone from completely washed up and dead in my books to back and alive in the matter of five days yes uh and uh, look at the start of last week i was pretty high on him and the reasons came to light again he he gained strokes uh on approach for the first time in a long time um, of significance at the PGA championship. And then he did it again last week at the Charles Schwab challenge. Now we started to see signs of his swing coming around. Um, uh, just after the match play, after the match play he gained four strokes in a row, uh, gained off the tee in four events in a row, which uh, I think is a sign that things are coming back. It was mild, but things are coming back a little bit. And then you see the approach play start to kick in and now things start kicking into gear and when he is comfortable with his swing, now all the other reasons that we've played Patrick Reed in the past come back to life. The 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 truth is his his um his uh, ball striking was so bad for a while since July of last year that he he can he couldn't compete. He couldn't turn into Patrick Reed, the Captain America, the the gritty grinder who's just gonna try to you know, the bulldog, right? He, he couldn't do that because he couldn't hit the ball where he was looking. And now all of a sudden he's got a little confidence with his swing. And I think it plays a huge role. So I'm all over Patrick Reed again. I'm going right back to the well this week. I think the golf course is a great fit for him. And I think you're going to see him go out there and compete. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Where else in the 7K uh, range would you like to go, Greg? Uh, I'm interested in Adam Scott. I okay. am. I like what he's done here. This is another guy. This is one of his favorite courses. He really relishes this opportunity. I'm not crazy about his recent form, uh, but he's been driving the ball nicely, which I think could I think could go a long way. So he has my interest. Chris Kirk, uh, I think it's very fair to go back to the well on him. Maybe 
Sunday's round kind of keeps some people away from Chris Kirk, but he is an absolute play in my book. Um, there, there are a couple of others that I'm lukewarm on, like Siwoo Kim and Aaron Wise and Keith Mitchell. Um, but Anurban Lahiri, who I really like this year, I, I think this could be another good place to go back to him. What do you guys yeah. think about Lahiri? Outside the miscut at the PGA Championship, and uh, he's, he's basically been on a roll. He had a runner-up finish here in 2017. He hasn't played it in each of the last two years. The invitational status has kind of kept him away. But when he when he played it earlier in his career, he at least had a bit of success. Um, Sia, do you want to do the Bryson conversation now, or do you want to save it for a few minutes from now? Well, I feel like we're going to waste the time because he's going to he's going to withdraw like five minutes after we have the conversation. But let's have it now, so it's relevant he, right in this moment. I think he plays this week. All right. But I'm not. I would not bet like I bet about six bucks on that. Uh, I'm not that <laughs> okay. confident. Well, let, let's as, let's assume he plays. What do right. you do? Let's assume he plays, and I've got his results up. They are very ugly. But again, can you contribute or attribute these results to the injury? And if we think the injury is better, that's great. But there, I guess there's rust issues. But oh, by the way, he's won here. Like, what? What? How do we even? How do we even do this? Well, if we're looking at a pie chart and we're looking at all the players that I'm playing in DFS this week and Bryson represents the orange sliver, I shall tell you that there's no orange in my pie chart. No chance. I, I would agree. I, he's an absolute fade. His ownership should be zero for the week. <laughs> it should be. I mean, what? there is a huge WD risk, even if he starts. There's a huge WD risk. Um, if he makes a cut, there's still a WD risk. It it, it is extremely risky. I mean, M M uh, Muirfield Village tends to have some thick rough. It uh, it just it doesn't seem like a great a, a great stop to come back to. And if he does play, that's great. But I I don't expect to see uh, you know a, a great performance by any means. I mean, rust is a huge factor. This, this isn't like the, you know, oh, well, he took three weeks off, so he's going to be rusty. This is, he had surgery. You know that he hasn't been playing. He hasn't been able to play. So I, I'd be I'd be very worried. Cheapest he's been in three and a half years. Does that not, uh, no, no, no buy low situation? Talk to me next week when that sale gets even better. And the week after that and the week after that. Oh man, I'm like very entire. I mean, I guess the good news is if you were playing 10 lineups and you put Bryson in one of them, you would be overweight on the field. That's true. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting game theory play, but that that's the thing though. Is he the only interesting game theory play? There, and I'm not like looking at every single player, but there's probably like 10 guys that are going to be super low ownership. And so the question is, are you going to use Bryson as, as one of those ownership leverage plays when you can probably use somebody who you know is at least in form to actually play 72 holes of golf? I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I just, I just want to. I just want to. You, well, you need to then. That's the thing. It's like this GFS. You can do whatever you want. Put them in one lineup. You're overweight, like you said. That is I guess true. it won't be uh, zero. No, it'll be me. Point it'll one. Be <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I think I there's know. one other guy we got to talk about. Cooch? No. Um, we have a drop for this. Uh, Ricky. Do we? Mm. You, you think Ricky's playable this week? Uh, yes. 
I do too. I mean, I'm I'm generally down on Ricky, but I think this I think he is playable. So yeah, here's the good signs right here, right? So yeah. okay, let's 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 recap. The last two years, not good. It's like whack-a-mole, right? Some weeks he's great with the driver, some weeks he's horrible, some weeks he's great on approach, some weeks he's hard. It's just whack-a-mole. Now, what we're seeing is at least a sustained good run on approach. That's gaining in eight of 10. Around the green, that's fine. Six of nine. Putting, trying to come back. Uh, that's at least better than what we've seen. And it's resulted in a couple of top 25s. And then you add in this right here. Memorial's been awesome to him. You know, he's yeah. got uh, the last five years, he's got four top 15 finishes. And then you throw another runner up in in 20, 2010. It's been a really good place for him. I think very playable. The other thing I notice is his he he puts really well here. He's had great success on the greens here, and it might be a Jordan Speed thing where he you know, Ricky talks a lot about seeing the putts, seeing the lines, how important that is for him, and sometimes he's just not seeing it. And I wonder if with the the slopes around Muirfield, if if that will really help him see you know see the line, see the the things that he likes to do when he putts. I think they kind of come to life much like Jordan Spieth here. Yeah. Uh, the other one I was mentioning was Kucher, who's got six straight cuts made and he's, this is like by far his best golf course. And, and when you compare it to the rest of the field, like anybody who's played more than 20 rounds here, Kucher's the best in the field. So, yeah, I, I like Kucher. I, I do want to point out, cause Greg mentioned him, Aaron Wise. I think this is probably a good course to be playing him. Uh, good showing last year as well. Uh, gained in all metrics and almost 70 to green. Uh, with two and a half, uh, two and a half with the putter to a T9 finish. So, two, you know, gaining two and a half with the putter for Aaron Wise is great. But the point there is T to green, he was great. Uh, so I think Wise at 7,500 is a value. Another two guys I want to point out, because I think they let people down last week, uh, specifically Tom Hogue or Tom Hoagie. Uh, I think a lot of people are just going to be off him because he, he, you know, a missed cut last week. I mean, he was great before then, but he does have plenty of missed cut equity, as we can see here on this board. I think he actually grades out really well here with the approach game uh, in particular. I think he is at 7,400, a pretty decent value. Again, this is a super talented field, but can, do I think he can make the cut and do some damage on Saturday and Sunday? I think the answer is yes. And the last guy is CT Pan, who made the cut, but had a pretty terrible Saturday and Sunday. I think he grades out really well here too. He's made the cuts here, but nothing impressive from a finishing position standpoint. But I do like him, especially with the long irons as well. Yeah, he's been finding a lot of weekends. Certainly has the bread man, CT Pan, $6,000 range. Top, Aaron Rye, Joel Damon, Ryan Palmer, Scott Stallings, Troy Merritt. The min price golfers for this week, and remember, it's only 120. Wow, there's a lot of them. So Sam Ryder just got in this field. He is the min price. Ryan Brem. John Pock is in this field. David mm. Lingmurth. Are these guys actually in the field? I might have the alternates still in here. <laughs> no, Ling I think these guys are actually in the field. Yeah, he, uh, Lingmurth is in the field, former champ. Uh, Curtis Luck is in the How did Curtis Luck get in this field? Sam Ryder at a flat 6K. Hmm. How did these guys get in the field? No, this is definitely the field. Because I first, usually what I do is I load in the, uh, I load in like the, the committed field and the alternates. But but at this point they all have been assigned salaries, so they've this is this is the field, so they're in. Uh, boy, what do you see, Greg? Anything of note? Well, not much interest in the guys you mentioned there, but um, <laughs> I do think there are some 
you know, my I'll start with my favorite. I, I think my favorite play in this range is um and and this is bizarre because the approach play has been terrible. But I, I really kind of like Patrick Rogers. Um, well, the approach play has been terrible at the memorial, but the finishing positions haven't been. And he's 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 done pretty well on approach of late. He's gained in five in a row, uh, three in a row off the tee. It makes for three in a row ball striking, uh, three in a row putting. Uh, short game is a concern, but again, I go back to what he does around here, and it's pretty reasonable. Tied 18th in 2020, tied 8th in 2019. Those are really the two highlights for me. Um, but he's putted well here. His short game has been a little better here. I, I'm I'm interested. Um, and then the other guy who I'm very interested in at the same price is Kevin Streelman, who I think has been playing, um, who plays well here. And he's been playing some pretty decent golf of late. It, it hasn't been great, but I think it's enough for me to uh, play a, a Kevin Streelman in this, in this at 6,800. Gains, uh, gains off the tee regularly, which is via the accuracy. Yeah. Although he's not super, super short. He's like bottom 40th percentile or something like that. Yeah. But and look, I, I think that can be a, this golf course plays a little shorter than it's yardage. I mean, they, the cool thing about this design is almost every shot is downhill, um, which is hard to imagine, but it also on the front nine, there are not a lot of driver holes. You hit maybe a couple. And and for Kevin Streelman, maybe he hits more, but the, that accuracy I think can really put him in a pretty good position to make the cut. And and I think he's shown the ability to hang around over the weekend. Sia, the six K range is yours. A few guys I like: Lucas Glover at sixty five hundred. Uh, he Me too. he lost six strokes with the putter last week, which honestly for him isn't even that bad. Which I is gonna- <laughs> hilarious to say. Yeah. Um, with that said, again, if you, if you think this is a course where bad putters may do well, uh, that really bodes well for him because the approach and off the tee game have been very good and he can be okay, uh, um, around the green as well. So I, I do like Lucas Glover at 6,500. Um, Nate Lashley is interesting to me because I liked him last week and now he's, only, he's, he's even way, I think it was 6,900 last week and he's 6,200 this week. So I think that's interesting as a, as a, just, a uh kind of a punt play adam svensson who was really peppering fairways and greens last week uh, we know his the putter is usually a problem for him but he's another guy at 6300 that it's fully in punt range and i gotta say the guy you just highlighted a couple minutes ago rick seems like a steal and of course that's brendan steel i, I mean, was trying yeah. to subliminally get it to greg's attention he said the guy my favorite guy in this range and i clicked brendan Steele's name to try to like <laughs> pre guess who he was going to say and also like pass the message to him we 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 were not connected there no he's he is third on my list if you're looking at my notes and he's definitely there the only reason he's third on my list is um is pricing he's a little bit cheaper at, um down at 6600 but i'm i'm all in on him he's absolutely is a great play so he had this really bizarre, horrible stretch of golf from Sony to the Honda where he lost strokes, uh, lost stroke, or excuse me, missed the cut in every single one of those events, five straight. Then he started to figure it out again, got back to his DNA, which is being a great ball striker. So he was plus seven in the ball striking categories at the API. He was plus 11 at the Players' Championship. He was even at the Valero. Then him and Keegan went uh, and finished fourth at the Zurich. We don't have the breakdown for that. And then he was basically, what, plus four at the Wells Far- Fargo and then plus nine 
uh, nine and a half at the PGA Championship. So that is uh, that is very much the blueprint. He is a horrible putter, and everyone knows it. But that's the hope is that um, he can get around here, tee to green, and roll enough putts in. Yeah, and and he and Glover kind of fit that same mold. Now we're not looking for guys that are horrible putters. It just happens to be the the things that we are looking for when you get down into the six K range. Well, they don't the marry you, you. You can't marry that kind of ball striking with with that with, with good putting. You're not going to be in the six K range. Right. If they were, their names would be like John Rahm, not right. Lucas Glover. Right. They wouldn't be the price. Right. Right. So you got to take a risk. I'm much more comfortable, especially on a venue like this. I'd rather see the green on rickrungood.com. I want to see the green on the left side. And if the um, the most right column is red, I, I am much more comfortable with that. So, I, you know, and the tee to green play has been great for him too. The short game has been a little spotty, but not terrible. Yeah, I want to point out Jonathan Vegas too. I mean, he doesn't really seem like a great course fit. He hasn't been peppering fairways like he normally does. And the around the green game is bad, especially if you're looking at it from a modeling standpoint. But if you actually look at his last four tournaments, he's gained around the green in three of the last four. So maybe there's an uptick there. Yeah, right. So that, that's actually pretty good. I mean, obviously he lost three at the PGA Championship, but at the Byron Nelson, Wells Fargo, and Valero, he gained around the green pretty significantly. So it's somebody to consider. His game has been a little off. The ball striking is usually better, but at 6,700, I think he's probably worthy of taking a chance on. Okay. I got uh, I got one more before I know we got a big a big uh, segment to get to grand, here. Grand finale, yeah. One more guy, um, sixty three hundred, probably as low as I'm looking. Uh, Kurt Kitayama. Oh, I knew it. I tried to click yeah. it before you said it. Yeah, he <laughs> uh, he. I just I think think back to what Sia said early in the show about who has what it takes to make not only make the cut but put together four good rounds. And I think Kitayama has some really good upside. Uh, he's plenty long. His iron play, although he lost the last two weeks has been really good of late. Um, he's another one of those guys with the, the red putter column and he gained strokes around the green at the Charles Schwab. So I'm wondering if Kurt Kitayama is a, a good value play. I'm guessing he's not going to be very highly owned because there was a hot streak and it cooled off. And I think that'll keep people away. But I think he has in this group down here, I think he has a, some maybe the best chance to you know contend in this event. Yeah, he's a grinder. He's a bulldog. He'll go out there and and, and uh, won't back down. Also at 6,300, Harry Higgs just withdrew. Don't play him. He got replaced yeah. by Kramer Hickok. So I will update all of that just happened a bit ago. Okay, well. Uh, before we get to the grand finale, which is Sia Najad and all the narrative lineups that have come in this week, remember the fan vote form for the one and done is in the link in the description. So go ahead, vote now because we're going early on Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. So your picks got to be in by then. All right, Sia, uh, this segment has been growing. John Markowski's seeing challenges from far and wide uh to his throne do we have anything to remove the crown from john's head this week it's a good question i mean i maybe maybe we should have some sort of post-show vote on it but um markowski's is really good and i think we have the graphic to put up if we don't 
Oh, here we go. Okay, so we've got three right here, which includes Markowski's, which is great. Okay, so I'll start with his. It's on the far right. At Sienajad Memorial, Ohio, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Here are some lyrics. Joaquin, I'm starting with the knee man in the mirror. Of course, that's a Michael Jackson song. Uh, Sungjae, imagine all the people. Cam, only the good die young. Luke, your kiss is on my list. Brandon, on a steel horse ride. Lucas, I want to be your glover. Not bad. I'm not a big music guy, but I'm yeah, still. We, we know. This. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, we've talked about this, Rick. Yes, um, but the well, I know, I know most of these songs too, which is great. Yeah, the uh, Lucas. Um, you could go, Lucas. I want to be your Glover or uh, um, Fifty Ways to Lucas Glover. I think that one's pretty good too. Paul Simon, shout out. Okay, so the Model Maniac Memorial Field equals stars equals Star Wars. Luke Skywalker list. Cameron Young Padawan. Padawan, excuse me. Tom Hoagie One Kenobi. That's great. Ch Three PO. That's even better. Anurban Solo Lahiri is. Excellent. I think this might be like the winner this week. Princess Cantalea. <laughs> Amazing. May the first cut force be with you. That's excellent. Right. Strong. These are two bad narrative. I've never seen Star Wars. Can I admit that? So I don't get any of these. Well, they're really good. Okay. And I've only seen like the first three Star Wars from like three decades ago. So I'm sort of on that. What was that like 10, 9, and 8 or something? CH3PO. Yeah good i like that that's pretty great um and then speaking of uh movies we got a stroke skin narrative sounds like a james bond villain bryson dechambeau harris english brandon Steele, eric van royan martin laird and patrick reed i like that he put stroke skin narrative on there if you click on stroke skin narrative you see all the narratives that anybody's ever yeah posted. you should put have that on there yeah that's a hashtag stroke skin narrative from chris so that's uh that's smart that will allow us to sift through these uh, much more efficiently. Okay. Is there, so, I think there's more, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have a, a couple more. Eric K. Who I, I believe That's you guys correct me if I'm wrong. He's with, he's with CBS in some capacity, right? Boss. Gotta go with a <laughs> best. Because we love it. This is the best. <laughs> oh yeah. This is by far the best one, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go with a best damn lineup in the land Buckeye squad. Keep in mind, this tournament takes place in Dublin, Ohio. Wow. Lanto, Archie Griffin, Chris Kirk, Herb Street. Cameron Chase Young, hell to the commanders is the hashtag there. Mackenzie Mackenzie Keel Elliott Hughes, wow. Jason Ryan Day, C Woody Hayes Kim. That's excellent. Mackenzie Mackenzie wow. Keel Elliott Hughes. Oh, there you go. I'm sorry, I messed that up. Mackenzie Keel Elliott Hughes, of course, of course. Mackenzie, oh, no, I can't even say it again. Mackenzie Keel Elliott Hughes. Wow. That one's excellent. Yes, phenomenal. And it's, and it's and it's geographically it's right it's geographically relevant as well. So I think we have two more that have oh no excuse me we have John um, Halsbach otherwise known as PGA Tout who wants to chime in here milkshake flavors he has the SG narrative hashtag which is awesome these are all milkshakes Chaco list Luke list making a lot of these narrative lineups yeah, cookies a good one for puns yes yeah. cookies and Joaquin that's excellent that's Eric strong. Vanilla Royan. Pretty good. Anner Banana Lahiri. Lahiri making a lot of references. <laughs> uh, Streb Berry. <laughs> Shamrock Shane Lowry. Those are good. I like the I like the very milkshake. strong. Have you have have you guys had these milkshakes? Everything I hear about this event is these is these milkshakes. No, but uh they make I really want to try them. And so one day I hope to get there and try them. I love a good milkshake, but I rarely have one. I it's, want the seems dangerous i would drink 40 of these that week 
is is your favorite on this list cookies and Joaquim in terms of actual taste like i think that would be good cookies and cream. Uh, yeah i like chocolate and like uh peanut chocolate and peanut butter is probably my favorite yes. uh, flavor combination it's not on the list it's not on the choco list that's cheating no have to figure that one out uh okay what else we got so we have two more uh, i know we're taking a lot of time here but so many came in i just want to give everybody the respect of uh, kind of putting these up here I'm, I'm sure we'll get even more and more as the, as the weeks go on we won't put every single one up here they can one hashtag pound sand or two just like fast forward to the end like it's who cares it's all good. right Right. Um, and okay, so these actually have Memorial Day in mind. So uh, me and Oracle kind of sent these at the same time, which is really interesting. At Sienajad, let's happy Memorial Day narrative this bad boy. George Patton Kazire, Jason D. Day, John Romparts Red Glare, which is excellent. Wow. Ha happy Memorial Davis Riley. Wow. Daniel Battle of Hamburger Hill. That's great. Is Hamburger Hill a real thing? Yeah, Hamburger Hill is like a, a, a battle, like where a battle took place. I can't remember in which war. Uh, maybe Oracle can tell us on Twitter. Stuart, don't sink my battleship. I think my work here is done, says Oracle at T. Very Green. good. Very good. Hold on. That's great. Uh, the Battle of Hamburger Hill, uh, May 13th to 20th, 1969, uh, in the uh, Vietnam War. Mm. It was, oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. I did not know that. Very. That's Oracle. That is... Uh, those are good. I like those. Yeah, those are excellent. Uh, mine doesn't really have much by way of wordplay. It's just kind of an ode uh, to some of, of the prominent generals and and, and uh, people in the United States military. Col uh, Colin Morikawa Powell, of course, that's the late, great Colin Powell, who just that's passed away, unfortunately, uh, within the last 12 months. William McRaven Zalatoris, who actually was a Navy SEAL, and he was a former Navy SEAL, when he actually put together Operation, uh, I believe it's called Operation Neptune, which was the operation that the Navy SEAL 6 team went down and, and took out Osama bin Laden some time ago. Omar Keegan Bradley, uh, U.S. Army General, I believe served in Vietnam or World War II, I believe. George Patton Kazire, another World War II General. Douglas Gim MacArthur, another U.S. Army World War II General. And of course, my favorite, um, the man who left the NFL in a guaranteed contract for millions of dollars, by the way, in the actual prime of his career. He played for the Arizona Cardinals. He went to school at Arizona State University. His name is Pat Tillman, and he is a true hero in my book, as are all of these guys, by the way. But Pat uh, Pat Tillman is more sort of relevant to me because this happened while I was you know, still alive, whereas these other guys uh, weren't fighting when I was alive. So Pat Perez Tillman is the last guy on this list. Pat Perez Tillman, you are still alive, Sia. All of this is happening right now while you're still alive. Well, I'm just saying when when Omar Bradley was fighting and George Patton were fighting, I was not uh, I was not born yet. So um, when these Pat Tillman did his thing, uh, I was. I'm uh, I'm proud of these. These are very good. Very good. Excellent. I agree. Excellent. Bravo, bravo, everyone. Hold on, let's get out ahead of this for next week because we're I mean we're deep in this at this point. So uh, next week is RBC Canadian. So mm. I imagine there's going to be a lot of Canada references maybe some like uh maple syrup stuff i don't know wherever else we can go with this that's going to be a fun one so i do i do want to say one other thing somebody and i i forwarded this to you guys i texted it to you i don't want to read it because we have too many narrative lineups but i'm going to post it on twitter and, and maybe someday when we have an extra like literally two minutes i'm going to read it just not now scott mccreary at ahs charger golf chargers golf uh sent a short story which had a play on words, which included about 20 PGA Tour golfers' names. And it's really, 
really good. So look out for that. I'm going to read it on the first cut when we have maybe a little bit more time, but I'm, I'm, I'm certainly going to post it on Twitter too. He put a lot of time into this. Do you think this will evolve, Greg, to be like, okay, here are some poems, here are some short stories, here are some essays, here are some novels. We could put a whole book together of all of the first cut narrative. Yeah, we need a li- we're going to need a literature section in the store. <laughs> first cut well, library. How about yeah, how about a um, library? A, a song. Somebody could like put a like a, a put a song out there. Like a, who who what are they called? The Golf Boys when Bubba Watson and and Ricky and yes, um, yeah. sing. Uh, the guy who wrote the second Golf Boys song. Uh, his name is Matt Carney. I had him on my podcast. He, no he's way. a great guy, and he wrote the second Golf Boys version 2.0. If you all want to take this to the next level, drop some lyrics and some background music and let's see what happens. I think this is fun. Wow. 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 I love it. Uh, Sia, we won't put you on the spot for first round leaders because we want you to see tea times. So we'll assume you'll tweet those out for us. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Well, Sia uh, Najad can be found on Twitter at Sia Najad. Big thanks to producer Troy doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme available on Twitter at the real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast, And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life, while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.